On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fortiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. Oh, he always satisfies me, does my man. Carlos Alberto Diego, welcome back, brother. How are you there, Half? Uh, well. Yes, it's uh, we're awash with world football. Uh, last week, uh, it was the highbrow, uh, sparkling, glossy, uh, you know, edition. And starting tonight, it's the romance of the Ooh. FFA Cup. Uh, we're just a wash, and we haven't even started the A League season yet. So, and, or even the, even in any of the big uh, competitions around the world. So, uh, gee, it's good the way they've plugged the gap with uh, with these uh, with these games, and also the FFA Cup. Oh, I think you're right. I think that's. I had a chat to Damien Debone last Friday night at the MCG in one of the rooms we were we were in, and he was saying what a great film mm. it is for the for the A League to have the the level of play on our own doorstep in the off season, so it engages more and more people to the game, hopefully, and then for the for the converted, it just whets the appetite for the upcoming domestic season. So it's been a it's been a godsend, and the fact that there's been a three year deal done on the back of that, Carlos, it is a very very positive sign going forward. I would think. And they made it really quickly. There was no ums and ahs. The uh, Victorian government, through major events, uh, of course, have have uh, you know locked in a three year deal with the ICC. Uh, promoters and organisers, and uh, I'd love to know when they're going to release which teams will be out here next year because it won't necessarily be the same. Mm. Uh, we actually speculated last week on the Diego's, uh, you know, what teams would trump what came out this week, this uh, you know, this time round, and uh, you know, we were thinking maybe that's something we should throw our list, uh, throw to our listeners. Uh, what teams would trump the, uh, the three teams that came out with Real Madrid, um, of course, Man City and also AS Roma. I'm thinking, bring out Real again with Cristiano. Mm-hmm. Bring out Barcelona because there's no toy games there. If they, there's no toy derby between they. They could be playing on a beach uh, on the Copacabana <laughs> with their with their speedos on, and uh, and you know, and just and just having you know fun around the game, but. That game on that beach would be just cutthroat. And uh, just throw in the Germans with Bayern Munich, I think. Uh, you know, the Germans. Yeah, so you can't, I don't think you get any better than those three. The Liverpool fans out there who I've got an ongoing sort of battle with every, every time, yep. uh, they'll be saying, well, they're, you know, they're the you know, biggest club outside, of, outside their own competition around the world. Uh, Warren Diego gave me some you know, stat that I, he probably pulled out of his head, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, that uh, one in five football supporters around the world barrack for uh, Liverpool. I'm not sure about that, but uh, but they do have a big uh, uh, supporter group around the world. But uh, you know they could also be another team you'd invite back, and I think they're really keen on coming back too. Well, the uh, we know that we had three great teams here for the Australian leg of the International Champions Cup with uh, AS Roma and Real and uh, Manchester City. But the the new uh, North America league mm. has got some very very enticing little teams that we can track on to. I mean, United, Manchester United are a part of that. Uh, Paris Saint Germain are a part of that. Uh, you mentioned Barcelona, they're there. Chelsea are there. Benfica is there. Um, the LA Galaxy always have a good support, and of course uh, New York Red Bulls with the yeah. link to our very own. Not there anymore, Tim Carroll. Yeah. But, 
um, with that link. So they've got some good teams in the North American component yeah, that, of this that, ICC tournament. That, that's where it all started, really. I mean, they, I think it was a competition that was really born for America and Asia uh, because uh, Asia is just – they're crazy about football. I feel any stadium uh, with any teams coming from overseas. Uh, and America is sort of – they still regard that as the untapped market, even though the MLS is doing fantastic uh, work over there. Crowds are really good. Uh, they, it's such a big – Big, big region that, that's not been mastered by world football. Yep. And uh, so they're going to keep on going back over there. And I think they'll, you know, as, uh, as uh, you know, the, the locals get more and more in tune with what the game's about and, uh, you know, less uh, worried about what it might do to their own domestic sports or in their own indigenous sports, that uh, they'll, they'll actually start supporting it also. Pete on the road wants to uh, just bring the three teams, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and one of Man U or Chelsea. That'd be good fun. Yeah. That'd be fine, but I'd rather see okay. a Real Madrid. I want to see a Real Madrid Barcelona because that that'll be fair. Nickham. They don't they don't muck around, uh, whether in season or out of season. If you're going to play a, a derby between those two, but they probably won't want they to. Wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, they? they probably wouldn't want to sort of wreck that brand, nah. that derby brand, the, nah. the old Classico. No, and, I would be staggered if they wanted to do. Yeah, that. but anyway, you give them enough money, you never know what might happen. But as you say, very quickly the decision was made. So I mean, and I mentioned it before, two hundred twenty thousand people ventured into the MCG for three nights on uh, the previous week to watch these teams. So if you can average 70,000 a game, yeah. it's a pretty good result anywhere around the world, I would have thought. Absolutely. And, uh, and around the world, they would have seen 99,000-plus people turn up to last Friday. And uh, and uh, you know, I think that's the biggest crowd for a football game. And then we had we had yep. ninety six or something close to it uh, with the Liverpool game against Victory, uh, which I'm really proud that an Australian club was part of that ninety six thousand. By the way, uh, but ninety nine thousand between Man City and Real Madrid. In the end, it was a pretty good game. I, I enjoyed the game. I thought uh, uh, the Real Madrid players, you know, like Ronaldo and Bale and a few others, uh, just started pulling the, the party tricks out, right. and they really destroyed Man City in that first half. And uh, it was just really entertaining stuff. They treated Real Madrid treated Manchester City like Hawthorne would treat my boys as a <laughs> Seriously, yeah. they were that much better yeah. from, from that night anyway. No, mm. I don't know how long term that would be or whether or not that it would be consistent the more they battled in season fully fit, fully functional. But they were so much better than yeah. Manchester City, it wasn't funny on Friday night. Mm. And you're right, there was party trick time um, very early in the game, 20 yeah. minutes in, it was just tricks. Yeah. Just to try and see how good we can be. Yeah, it just shows that these guys, especially in pre-season, uh, don't go on the field and just bludge. You know, in the season, the big fear in the past was when the big clubs came at the end of their season that it was just tacked onto their holidays. Yeah. Uh, now it's pre-season. So these guys are really, really professional. Whilst they might not be going at full intensity, at full pace because of the stage they are in their de- in their preparation, that they're very professional and they know what they need to do to get cherry ripe for that first game in a couple of weeks' time in, in, when it really means something. So you could see Ronaldo, even though uh, you know he may not have been going 100%, he certainly... Wasn't happy when he, you know, when he misplaced a pass, or he, or he, uh, or he got tackled hard, or, or you know, or, or you, just, you could just see on a on a lower level that he was serious about yeah. playing, and he was very professional about it. And all the other players, and you know, the, the pride between the Real Madrid players and the Man City players. I mean, yeah, Toure was a big player for Barcelona, and now he's at Man City, and he didn't want to get beaten by these guys. So, um, yeah, I, I just thought there was enough. 
uh, enough um, intel- uh, sorry, uh, intensity to it for me to enjoy it, plus the fact that they really wanted to put on a bit of a show, and that, I think, you know, people got their money's worth that way. Oh, I think they did, absolutely, particularly on a Friday night. Tuesday night's game was a great one, too. I think the only real downer was that, that first one, the Saturday night, which yeah. sucked the life out of the, the crowd a little bit, the way that was played. But Tuesday and Friday were, from what I saw anyway, were very entertaining mm. encounters. Johnny's in the Dockland. He's given us a call on 9429-1116, Carlos, and I think he's, uh, he's thinking forward and uh, what he would like to see here in Melbourne Town as part of the ICC. G'day, Johnny. G'day, uh, Harves. Uh, g'day, Carlos. Yeah, look, I, you know, that would be a, a dream game, you know, uh, a classico here in Australia. And But I agree, it probably wouldn't happen because it's sort of so revered in Spain. Um, I'd like to see, uh, as well, Arsenal um, uh, come along and, and play. Um, but, yeah, look, great advertisement uh, you know, over the last few weeks here. I mean, we're so lucky in Australia. It's sort of, um, we're getting football... 12 months now, you know, with the A-League and, you know, the FA Cup starting up and we, when we get these teams over, it's just tremendous and it uh, just keeps the momentum going. You don't have that lull, uh, which can happen with a bit with the AFL where when you, you finish up in September. Um, so, yeah, football just keeps rolling along and and I just, uh, I was so stoked that the, the government um, got the three years, for, you know, for these games to happen for the next three years. But I'd love to see Barcelona if they came and have their big guns play. Um, I notice uh, overseas, uh, Messi and uh, Neymar uh, are not playing in that uh, competition over in the States, but if they came to Australia, it would be a dream. Yeah, I think the issue was Copper America. Uh, the, uh, Aguero didn't play for Man City either. And the, they had to give him a rest at some stage, and uh, unfortunately we didn't get to see them. Johnny, did you venture along to any of the games? Well, I'll tell you my story, and it's a true story. Uh, we actually had tickets, and... Uh, uh, my wife and my son, who uh, my wife's a Madrid supporter and my son's a Barca supporter, they went last Friday night. I'm a Carlton support member, so I went to the footy. I went to Eddie Had, <laughs> and we got smashed, and uh, probably one of the worst decisions I ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm a Barca supporter, yep. I just love good football, like mm. everyone. And I, you know, uh, and, and I, I watched the replay and all of that. It was just magnificent to watch, but I didn't go. But uh, there you go. <laughs> well, that's all right. Well, that's all right. You watched it unfold, and uh, you've you've got the juices flowing for next time round, or for the A League season coming up as well. Thanks for your call, Johnny. Start on the line. First caller always of the day gets rewarded here on halftime. You have got the two bottles of cocoa hydrates, the complimentary double pass for two people. Aiden Hulls Golf at Devil Bend, 2015 Champions Collector Card. And the two Bataki hams as well. Stand along, we'll get your details. Mel's in Malvern. G'day, Mel. Hey, guys. He stole half my funder, but I'll give you the other half. Right, eh? Um, what was the first half? Well, the first half was Arsenal. Ah, well, right. And I, and I thought I had it all in my head. And I, I lived in London for 12 years. And um, if you get to have Arsenal, imagine Arsenal playing Tottenham. Yeah, I think in any of those derbies, you can bring out even West Ham or late Orient. No, you no, oh, I think it's. Give it, us a no, spell, no, Carlos. Chelsea, Chelsea <laughs> Arsenal, uh, Tottenham. I mean, if you bought the three of them out. That could be your ICC, and you get some pretty cutthroat stuff then. Because the Premier League is the biggest league in the world. I mean, the Spanish teams, no one, everyone follows the Premier League. I, I know you've got your Spanish champions and your Barcelona and the Madrids and all that. I mean, look at all, all the Italian teams and, you know, and over there as well. But, but you know, the Premier League is still the one. Arsenal, Arsenal, Tottenham and Chelsea, that would just be ridiculous. There'd be 100,000 every game.
Yeah, numbers, absolutely. Uh, there's still a lot of arguments out there that the EPL is not the best league in the world, but it's the most popular or most watched league because of the way it's marketed and the, and the yeah. rights. And the, we all grew up. I mean, people around the world who watched the English Premier League religiously were the same people who watched it in the in the 60s and 70s with the big match, and that's how they grew up. And the, the English almost uh, stumbled upon the, the power of their sport by through that, through that uh, television show all those years ago. Thing as well, I would pay a thousand dollars a ticket to go see Arsene Wenger speak. Arsene Wenger, I think any of those guys are there, Mel. I just think I would love as part of this. So we were talking about legacy last week. Yeah, I would, on. I would love as part of this that Channel Nine or whoever's doing the, 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 the you know, the the broadcast of it, uh, if they got a Chelsea, uh, Arsenal, and Bayern Munich out here, that they'd get Jose Mourinho, Arsene Wenger, and uh, Pep Guardiola. Uh, on a panel, mm. and with someone who knows what they're talking about. To you, or me. Me, yeah, me, right? <laughs> <laughs> me and half, right? <laughs> Asking them questions that every coach in Australia, everyone in Australia wants to know. Mm. And they came out and they really gave us stuff. That would be absolutely uh, riveting TV, I reckon. Uh, I think um, Manuel Pellegrini, I think he... F- Spoke to all the A-League coaches on oh, okay. Thursday mm. night, maybe, maybe yep. Friday lunch. So there was a, a form of that, not certainly yeah. not to the public, but to the A-League coaches. So there was some um, yeah. passing on some information to the A-League coaches, mm. to the domestic coaches. Uh, so Here's a TV show idea, half. Yeah. Get those a panel of those coaches, but get AFL rugby you know, top-line professional coaches in yep. the room asking the questions. Oh. And, and and football coaches, or soccer football coaches. Mix get, them up. Get top-line High performance uh, people. Yeah, get them in the room and get them asking him the questions. That would be wow. I would watch that. Wow, I would watch that. Can we can we copyright that idea? <laughs> I'm writing there right we'll, now. We'll come up with a name during yeah, the break. Yeah, Twenty three yeah. past one. More calls after the break. Plenty more discussion with Carlos Alberto Diego. Carlos Alberto Diego with us, uh, talking the world game every Wednesday on the program. Great to have his company, considering the week we had in Melbourne with the International Champions Cup. Great to see AS Roma, Real Madrid and Manchester City just igniting the MCG in the last week. Carlos, and I, I suppose, and one of the words that you've used a couple of times in the last couple of weeks is legacy. Yep. And where where it all goes from here, and I... I asked Damien DeBow on this on, on Friday, head of the A-League, where, what leverage can you get out of this? Do you think they maximise the the opportunity the or they, they can maximise the opportunity that's presented with uh, the success of the ICC? Yeah, I had a chat with Damien earlier this week, actually, and uh, and he said to me, because I, I, I thought that the ICC tournament all around the world was just run by promoters. They paid a fee to the local uh, association or the, the country's association yep. to, to sanction the games, and but they had no control about who played. And Damien said, no, no, uh, next year they would hope that there's an Australian team playing against these teams, which is fantastic. That's one thing. Uh, the other thing is we, we've had some really big games here, especially since the A-League and the Austra- Socceroos have started making World Cups and stuff like that yep. uh, since 2005. We've had some really big games in this country, and I don't, I don't see any survey data that the FFA are, are, are collating here. And 99,000 people turned up last Friday. And, uh, you know, the idea of uh, 
are you an A-League fan? You know, do you go to A-League games? Uh, do you, would you prefer a, you know watching European team on TV or, or going to an A-League game? All that sort of stuff. I, I don't believe the FFA are collating that sort of information. Thankfully, the Herald Sun uh, did something, and it was published it was with 232 people over the all the games in this off-season. Not quite the 99,000. It's not, no, it's not. But at least they did it. And uh, and I think that's one thing the FFA have got to do as just part of their business plan, part of their, uh, you know, uh, marketing strategy or marketing uh, plans. They've got to be able to just collect as much information as possible. Don't assume you know. Don't assume that you know why, you know, Melbourne Melbourne City are bringing in, you know, 9,000 people. You know, they're a new club, they, you know, they haven't been able to resonate, you know, Melbourne, Vic, all this sort of stuff. Find out through good evidence all the time. And uh, and I just think that we're not, we're, we as a sport aren't doing that. But as far as that uh, Herald Sun survey is concerned, take it or leave it, 232 people were, were surveyed over the whole period of time. That's including the Liverpool games and also the ICC games. Okay. And the questions that, were, that have been published, I'm not sure whether there's any other questions that have been uh, asked here, but uh, do you consider yourself an A-League fan? And yes was 65% okay. and no was 34%. That 34% is, is what I want to focus on. 99%. Well, there you go. No, it's not. It's 34.9. The yeah, 34.9 and 65.1. Right, there, there we go. go. There's there you go. me 100. Right, I'm happy now. Yes, and uh, so that 34 is something I'd like to concentrate on because okay. they're going to the football, but they don't follow it. They're not an A-League fan. Uh, did you did you attend an A-League match last season? Yes, 58.2%. No, 41.8%. That's another important. The, the no is a very important thing. That's a significant no, 41.8. And they've still rocked up to these games. And would you rather attend an A-League? League match in person or watch a European match on TV. A League 43.1 and Euro 56.9. Now, that 43.1, okay, there's more people who want to watch a European game on TV rather than go to an A League game. But that's, for me, knowing and living this game for decades through the old NSL and state leagues before that, mm. to get 43. Point one percent of people wanting to go to A League rather than watching a European game. That's a fantastic result. It's a really terrific result, given that as I was growing up, uh, there was so little respect for the local product yep. that you wouldn't have got that sort of figure. It's not a successful. It's not a successful figure, by the way. It's, we, it's not what we should uh, aspire to. We should be aspiring to reversing that in a big way. That, those figures. Yes. But uh, but you know the question: if ninety nine thousand people are rocking up. Uh, you know, to a to a game uh, of football in the off season here, and thirty four percent of them saying they're not A League fans. That's a problem. Why are they going, Carl? Well, they're probably maybe. Is it the mystique of the teams that we, we well, never see? Some some of it will be fair to goers, right? They've got free tickets or whatever it may be through their yep. work. Yep. Uh, but there are others who are clearly Euro snobs in uh, in Australian football, and we all know people who who work in the in the field of, uh, of football know that there's a number of people who love their football in this country but they will never ever follow the local product and also there are people who are part of the old in the cell who supported the old in the cell who refused to jump on board with the A-League they're just really reluctant to do so so uh, but I just think that data there and really fleshing it out is something that we should be Collect, uh, collecting on a regular basis because I think good decisions can be made on that sort of stuff. With uh, the Euro snob factor and uh, intrigues me to be honest with you because whilst there is better than ever access to world sport through television channels these days and opportunities via television, surely when you've got a, a 
even if some people see it as a half-decent product like the A-League, now I see it as a bit better than that, um, but a half-decent product like the A-League, if you can have that right on your shores, then despite your European snobbery mm. and the fact that that's what you've known all the way through your life, if this was on your shores and you're seeing players from Europe play here or players here that go to Europe, yep. why would not that not be on your agenda? That, that would be my question. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I, it's just, uh, it's I suppose, it's an arrogance that uh, I only want to watch the best. I mean, I think that's one and thing. I, I get that. Yeah, yeah I, I think I that's one that. thing that uh, Australian sports fans, they're very knowledgeable across all sports, and they do only want to watch the best. But I think what the A-League's done in 10 years has been fantastic, and they've had, it's had its problems, by the way, and the clubs are, are still not making money. But it's not exactly enhanced yeah. by time zones, this this. Elites, yeah. the elite uh, competition, like the ones over in Europe. Yeah. It's late night, early yeah. mornings. It's not exactly hen- enhancing your lifestyle. At least these games that are on your doorstep are in daylight hours or you know, yeah. the times you can get to as opposed to having to wait up all night. And Although these days you can record yeah. them and, and watch them later on. But if you're living the moment, if you're involved and you're the snob, the Euro snob, yeah. which is the uh, typical Euro snob, you're watching it as it's happening. Yeah, well, perhaps, perhaps so any Euro on. snobs out there who just refuse to go to the A League, just uh, give us a call or drop us an SMS about I'm intrigued what you. would what would actually get you to an A League game and maybe taking some interest in in the in the sport because that's the question that the FFA should be asking mm. the marketplace right now. All right, we'll get to a break. Twenty six to two calls after the break. Peter and Deer Park, I'm getting to you straight away after this. Straight away after this, and you'll be handsomely rewarded as well for your patience. Twenty six to two. Back with more Carlos after this. I do like that play on 23-2, and Carlos Alberto Diego is with us in the studio. Taking your calls, 9-14-9-11-16. Um, the Euro snobbery in world football, how do you explain it to us? 9-14-9-11-16. Peter in Deer Park's not talking about that, but he wants to talk to you, Carlos. Hello, Pete. Hi, Carlos. Uh, thank you for taking my call, and welcome back. Uh, Thanks, Peter. Do you think uh, the Melbourne victory attacking midfielder every time he comes off the field or gets injured, there is no other player of his quality to replace him in? We lose a lot of creativity and also that vital rhythm and cohesion between our defensive midfielders and our attacking midfielder, and it's not functioning well. If I was Kevin Musket, I would look to replace Mark Milligan with a quality marquee attacking midfielder who is versatile enough to play in both positions. I know that these kind of players are very hard to find, but, but taking consideration that Giffinkley is quite often being battered from pillar to post mm. because the opposition teams are looking to shut him down that by any means possible, it would be fantastic to have another player of Giff Lincoln's calibre so that every time this player participates in attack, uh, he can take a little bit of uh, the pressure and attention of Giff Lincoln and do just as good a job and be just as effective. Am I dreaming, Carlos? <laughs> <laughs> Peter, I love your analysis whenever you're on, mate. Uh, I Look, the, the problem... I, I'm pretty sure these days we're sophisticated enough in the A-League, the coaches and the, and the coaching staff, to know through our mistakes of the past, uh, you know, the sort of marquees you should be getting, you know, and uh, what, you, what you aspire to, players who are going to be stars for your team, that's what a marquee player is. A yep. player is a difference player, going to win your games, a, a la Barisha, for example, uh, uh, or or a big name like a Del Piero who's not quite at the top of his game, but he's gonna you know get the mar- get the media and so forth. I, I, we had uh, Kevin Musket in the in the studio around about this time last year, and he was talking about the fact that he wants a, an effective marquee, a person who's going to actually winning games and be different player, and also uh, contribute to the growth and the development of everyone else at his club. Now. 
I, I feel sorry for the, for A League clubs uh, because they've got to then because they they can't go and spend um, you know millions and millions of dollars on the marquee players that don't have it. Number one, and secondly, there's a, sal- a salary cap, especially if you've already got a marquee player. There's a salary cap to deal with. Yep. So the big big issue is finding that player, um, uh, Ben Calfeller type player who you know, is probably not quite at his best overseas, but still playing at a high level, still at a good age, still got the hunger, wants to just a change of life and really is grateful for his opportunity to come to Australia. He's going to give you good football. They're all the things you've got to tick off. Uh, Mark Milligan, that replacement, that's a huge decision. I mean, Mark Milligan was almost the core of why they won the, won so much last year. He was just a terrific player. Mm. And now for them to replace him, you know, how do you know, how do you find someone like that in, in the in the in the world football market at the right price? I mean, I, I just feel the pressure on these clubs now to make the right decision. Because if you get a dud, um Suddenly, you know, you're going to look bad. And uh, but I think we're much more sophisticated. The uh, player agent network out there, and and you know, getting information about potential targets is a lot better. But you're still going to make a mistake at, at different times. But Peter, I agree with you. But where you're going to find the type of player Mark Milligan is um, for the right price, who's available, who can defend like he does, could lead like he does, could get forward and score goals like he does, and be as creative and defensively sturdy the way he is. I, I don't know where you're going to find someone like that. Uh, within a certain price range and, and availability. It's an interesting um, topic for, for the A-League, and particularly for the Melbourne Victory, the, the space they find themselves in now, Carlos, with the Milligan situation, because as you rightly point out, these sort of type of players aren't growing on trees, and even if they are coming from outside, I think the Victory of Berish is their... Um, He's there in international market. market. Yeah, you're only allowed one of those, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, so, as far so, as paying anything you, you want so to, you've got to yeah. go outside yeah. of. You can't go outside of the country to do it. You've got to find one from within. Effectively, you've got to make them your marquee player and get the big star. So that narrows your field a bit mm. to replace Millie again. If you want to make them that key playmaker, are there any within the Australian marquee status that would would be eligible to come in and play that role? Well, it's interesting because I, I heard at the end of the last year, and this wasn't a, a media thing, but I heard that Luke Bratton was in great uh, uh, great demand up in Brisbane. Uh, when I say up in Brisbane, there's teams around in the A League who were who were looking at Luke Bratton very very cl- uh, um, closely. Now I think he's still at Brisbane Raw, and I think he's mid contract, so there's no way he can go unless you want to pay a transfer fee. So um, yeah, I don't think there's too many within Australia, uh, but you know a lot of these A League clubs now have got a good network of agents, and uh, and agents know that they can't just you know, um, suggest or recommend players who are duds. Because once you do that, you're not gonna, people aren't going to come and ask you anymore. Yep. People aren't going to listen to your recommendations anymore. So there's a lot of pressure from player agents and also clubs to make the right decision. So how does Kevin Musker deal with that then? If, if he's got no space to go outside of Australia for his, this type of player, because you're right, the price is going to be a massive factor in all of this, a quality yep. player like, like Milligan, who is, what, was he, what would he be getting at the victory Oh yeah, he'd be yeah. He'd be, look, as he I, th- marquee, I think, I think he's Australian marquee, yeah. and uh, he would have been, you know, maybe look, I don't know, anywhere between five and seven, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, was he as effective as Barisha? I think yes, even more so with his leadership. And Barisha reportedly on anywhere between seven and eight hundred. So you'd think that the Australian marquee in Mark Milligan would have been getting close to that. And you've got to also remember that 
a victory turned down an offer from Crystal Palace. It would have been a million dollar offer for yep. a year for uh, for Mark Milligan too. So I didn't see them fighting too hard to let him go to the Middle East to make sure he got his, you know, his uh, last last big big paycheck before you know he enters the twilight of his career. Yeah, it's a bit coming into the coffers, but you've still got to pay. So yep. find someone to pay those dollars, and I just think yeah, it, it yep. limits their opportunity to get their quality replacement because of the fact yeah. that there is only already an international marquee. I heard a little bit of a whisper that uh, they might be looking at someone like uh, Oliver Bozanich. Uh, played for Lucerne in uh, Switzerland. Yep. Uh, didn't make the Asian Cup because I think he was injured during that time. He, had, he, he started off really well in Switzerland uh, when he went over there, uh, but then he got injured and then he really struggled to get game time and the club released him at the end of the European season. And there was some talk that he might be their uh, replacement for Mark Milligan. I'm not sure whether he'd be an Australian marquee, but he certainly would be the yeah. replacement. And if you look at an Oli Bazanich, if he was terrific for Central Coast Mariners uh, before he left for overseas. He came on against Holland, and I was in the stadium in the World Cup, and he was one of the guys who was terrific on that day. Unbelievable. So he's young enough. He's gutsy enough. He's got the qualities of Mark Milligan, even though he hasn't performed at that level yet uh, consistently. Uh, but he might be a really good pickup as long as he's fit, and he's hungry. Sidetracking a touch, Peter, thank you for your call. Um, young Daniel De Silva, mm. who is part of the AS Roma yep. program, isn't he? Um, it was here for the ICC. He didn't play any minutes, I don't think. No, he didn't. What's, what does uh, being a part of that offer him, if he's not playing games, what does being a part of that system offer him going forward? Developing the the him? Italians would, have, would farm him out the earliest minute they can. I yep. mean, that's what they'll do. They'll, they'll farming out to a City of Chi or a City of B club and uh, they'll keep a close eye on him. They wouldn't, I mean, they often farm people out and loan them out. Like uh, James Teresi, would you believe, is, 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 a, is a Juventus Italy player. And he's been, he has never, he's never played for them. He's just been farmed out to different clubs at different times. And yep. he was in Belgium. I think he's finished his contract there looking for another opportunity, but he'll be loaned out again. He won't be playing for Juventus, for example. So a lot of these clubs, and Vinny Grella said to me this once, a lot of these, especially Juventus, have, they have 30, 40 players farmed out to different clubs. Uh, they don't necessarily try and develop them within their own system because their Primavera, which is their youth team, is, is a quite a limited competition and there's not much crossover between the Primavera and the, and the City A squad. So uh, they'd rather have them out in the, in the marketplace in different leagues and keeping an eye on them that way and hopefully they'll develop. So... Oh, yeah, but yeah. Danny's young enough to be able to spend a bit of time in City of B, City of Chi, and uh, and really learn how football's played over there. Fourteen to two, more Carlos after the break. Get involved, nine forty nine, eleven sixteen on half time. Carlos is with us. Great to have him with us on a Wednesday afternoon. Before we get to further discussion, Carlos, Richard's in Mernder on the open line. G'day, Richard. Gentlemen, how are you? Well, good mate. Uh, Carlos, quick question for you. Interested in your thoughts on an article that came out. Um, in the last week, uh, Craig Johnson did an interview when he was down for Liverpool's trip in Adelaide, and he was talking about apparently how he's been um, offering his or wanting to offer his assistance to the FFA to help develop um, talent in this country, uh, the youth talents, based on his experience and knowledge. And he can't seem to get a hearing ear from anyone um, wanting to tap into his um, his skill set. Um, just interested in your thoughts on that because I thought that somebody. Uh, and the FFA would want to jump all over that offer. Yeah, well, look, I, I, you know, the problem with the FFA, and I know Craig, uh, through my 
you know, uh, knowledge of Craig and the uh, relationship with him. I know that he's gone to various incarnations of the FFA and Soccer Australia over the decades, uh, telling him, listen, I've got a super skills program here uh, that uh, is uh, is something that's been actually applauded by, you know, and endorsed by FIFA and UEFA overseas. And, uh, and also the English FA and the in- English Premier League and so forth. Wherever he's taken it, they've just said, this is fantastic. And he doesn't seem to be getting uh, buy-in there at the FFA. I think uh, the, the problem is a political one in that uh, the, uh, the game development uh, especially the curriculum, people who write the curriculum, uh, you know, either the Dutch or I think now it's a, it's a Belgium guy, uh, they would like to probably protect their, their patch and, and be the authorities for how kids should be developed in Australia. And so Craig's coming from the outside trying to, uh, you know, promote a product within the, the sport. It's just going to be, it's just really, really difficult for him. I know he's been really frustrated with that over the years. So maybe one day, look, you know, I just think, he, you know, it's one of those things that I've seen the program. It's a fantastic program. And, uh, but, you know, it needs a lot of investment. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, if he gets the right, uh, the right people investing in it overseas, I think the Australians will then say, okay, this, this is really credible. We're going to go for it. But uh, I know it's very, very frustrating from him uh, there, Richard. Uh, thank you, Richard, for your call. He's been a good friend of the program, Craig, through yeah. his journey in the last couple of years and uh, any opportunity to get involved, I think it would be a great asset to the A-League. Uh, speaking of um, the lower levels of Australian football, the FFA Cup is starting off again tonight, Carlos. Raging success in year one. We had our boys, the Bentley Greens, going all the way there at one stage. Didn't quite eventuate. Yep. But we're back to square. We've got all our teams competing uh, for the t- chance to uh, achieve such status like the Greens did last year. Half, it's the romance. It's the romance. The romance. Yes. You've got to actually do it in hushed tones. Hushed uh, tones. Of course, tonight's games, we've got South Melbourne. Three, uh, three who, teams in action tonight. Yeah, South Melbourne uh, versus Palm Beach uh, Sharks up in uh, up uh, Gold, Coast? Gold Coast. Yep, and we've got Broadmeadows Magic versus Heidelberg. That's up in northern New South Wales. Broadmeadows is not the Broadmeadows no, not the, here, No, it? no, it's uh, Broadmeadows up in uh, Newcastle. But Heidelberg is Heidelberg. Heidelberg, yes, yep. and uh, they're two away games. And uh, South Melbourne game will be on Fox. I think that's the game of the of the round. So they'll be live on Fox, which will be fantastic. And also, uh, post the Heidelberg game, we'll be speaking to Jeff Oliver, former Socceroo goalkeeper, who's assistant coach there at Heidelberg, on the Diego's tonight. Go the Diego's. Top of the show. So that'll be fantastic. Blacktown City versus Metro Stars. And, of course, Hume City, another Victorian side, playing at home against Brisbane Strikers. So uh, that's going to be fantastic. And uh, and that, by the way, the Hume City game is played in Broadmeadows in, Broad <laughs> in Melbourne. So Broadmeadows so, playing in Newcastle versus Hollenberg yeah. and Hume City playing in Broadmeadows against Brisbane Strikers yeah. to kick off the first round of the uh, FFA Cup for Season 2. Season 2, we're calling it Season 2, Series 2, 2.0. Yeah, well, let's see, yeah, yeah. 2. Ver- version two, version two, version two. That, that's easy. Look, uh, there was an article accompanying the announcement of this uh, with South Melbourne. By the way, they've done a fantastic job, South Melbourne, uh, in the NPL, and especially building a business around their their club. Yep. Uh, they're trying to use this appearance and hopefully a bit of a cup run as a springboard to possibly being um, uh, maybe included to an expanded A League. Down the track, I did see that article. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, I just as much as they're doing a brilliant job, I just can't. Knowing what's happening at the FFA, knowing what's in the constitution now, I just can't see it happening. But keep on plugging away; you never know. For what reason? Oh, because the, the club clearly been built on ethnic ethnic lines, and uh, that's something that the FFA have uh, tried to avoid. In fact, it's in the constitution now that you can't build your club on ethnic lines. So. Uh, they've got Buckley's on that respect so, <laughs> but you know there, there's ways around this guys there's a ways around it just think of a strategy and if you really want to get there you might get there 
you may just get there. <laughs> and good luck to all the teams competing in the FFA Cup. Very exciting it was last year, and I'm sure we'll follow it with great interest again this season.